Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of this day. Thank you, Lord God, that there was no loss of life or limb in the Easter egg hunt earlier. Thank you, Lord God, for getting us here safely, Lord, and giving us this opportunity to worship you and praise you on this Easter morn. Lord, thank you that you are present here with us. You have not left us to find our way through this world alone, but you are with us. We pray that you would speak today. Lord, that it would be your words that get spoken, that it would be you that is proclaimed, and that you would reveal yourself, Lord, in your power and in your grace today. We pray that you would place your word upon our lips, upon our minds, and in our hearts, that we might know you, love you, and proclaim you. And we pray that you would bless and anoint and sanctify this service. May your Holy Spirit fall powerfully on us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. morning. It's wonderful to see you all today. Well, I can remember being a kid on Easter. You guys remember those, those moments too, don't you? Right? Waking up in the morning to the warmth of the sun, the hope of the day. Maybe finding an Easter basket at your seat at the table when you come out or by your bed, wherever your parents hid it for you. Maybe an Easter egg hunt later in the day after church. I always also had the joy of going to church and hearing my dad sing very off-key right next to me, very loud. Right? Like, hallelujah! You know, uh, which it really, you know, at the time was profoundly embarrassing. But like as an adult, it really is endearing, isn't it? You know, thinking back on that. Yeah, that he would sing so lustily for that, for proclaiming the Lord's uh, arisen nature. So uh, those days, those Easter days, never were the same. All right, every year life was different. Every year I came to that same Easter day, but it always seemed different, didn't it? Right, because I had changed. The circumstances were different. I was dealing with different things in my life. So even though we read the same scriptures and sang many times the same songs... The day was different every time because I was a different person every time I encountered it. I came with different hopes, different expectations, different challenges in my life. In our gospel passage from John, we see three people come to this day in different pla- from different places. Each one of them coming from different places in their life, different challenges they're wrestling with different expectations. They all come in the same event. They're able to witness all three of them. And yet they have different reactions to it. Each one of them has a slightly different encounter with Jesus Christ. Let's begin with the first one there, Mary Magdalene. Well, you know Mary Magdalene. She had been freed of demonic possession by Jesus. And since that time, she had been a disciple of his. She comes to the tomb before dawn. And finds the tomb of Jesus open. Open. That was not how she had left it the night before. Open. How in the world could this be open? What is going on? She's not sure what is taking place. And so she goes back and gets two other disciples and brings them with her. She brings Peter and John. Now John is not called by name in this account. He is spoken of as the disciple whom Jesus... Loved. I guess if you're writing the gospel, you can write kind of little things about yourself, like, I'm the disciple Jesus loved. Right? You know, just throw those little things in there. You see John do that in a little bit. 
um, with some recording of a foot race, but uh, that's what John does. We assume that to be John. So those two come, Peter and John, and we'll get to their responses in a minute, but let's continue with Mary first. Our passage tells us that she stood weeping outside the tomb. She stood weeping outside the tomb. She's on the outside. She's overcome with grief. And in her grief, she looks into the tomb and sees two angels, which apparently she can't identify as angels because it's not. there's no reaction to that. She just looks in there and starts talking to them as though they're just normal people. And they ask her why she's crying. And she says, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. She's sad because she wants to see Jesus. Even if he's dead, she wants to see him. She wants to touch him. Because she loves him. And as she's talking to the angels, she turns around and sees who, someone who she assumes to be the gardener. But it turns out the gardener is who? Jesus. Jesus, right? She's looking right at Jesus. And because of her grief, she's unable to see that it's him. She's unable to tell that it's him. Unable to recognize him. He also asks her why she is weeping and who she's looking for. She says, look, if you've taken his body, please let me know. I'll go and get it and bring it back. I'll take care of it. The irony in all this is that where is Jesus' body? Right in front of her, right? Right in front of her. I don't think she laughed about that at the moment, you know. But, like, um, for us, we're like, wow, this is amazing. She's looking for his body, and there it is, right in front of her. He's right there in front of her face. She's unable to see him until he does one thing. He calls her by her name, Mary. In the calling of her name, she's able to realize who it is that's before her. She realizes that, that this person she is presumed to be a gardener, is Jesus Christ himself in the flesh, standing before her, revealing himself to her. She responds to him with faith. She trusts that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, and she embraces him. How about Peter and John? Well, let's go with John first. Because John was with Jesus at the crucifixion. He was there at the cross with Mary Magdalene and others. And now here he is at the tomb, He's outrun Peter and make sure we know it, right? He wants us to know that he got there first, right? Apparently, this was a thing that the disciples did. They raced everywhere and then shared the results. I don't want to tell anybody, but the disciple who Jesus loved got there first. But he gets there first, and what does he do? He stops, and he stands outside. He kind of looks inside, but he doesn't go in. Why doesn't he go in? He might, have, might be afraid, maybe of like confined spaces or dark. We don't know. We don't know why he doesn't go in. Maybe he's afraid of what he'll find. But he waits. He pauses. Maybe he's waiting for Peter. Because when Peter goes in, so does John. And when John sees the burial garments lying there empty, what is his response? He believes. He believes, it says. He believes. He doesn't see yet how it all fits together. He doesn't understand all the scriptures that Jesus has spoken of about his resurrection, but he believes. He doesn't need any more proof to convince him that Jesus is risen. John believes. Peter, though, he's an interesting story, isn't he? 
He arrives after John, realizing that he needs to hit the gym more often. And he immediately, though, goes in. Immediately goes in. And if there's something that characterizes Peter, it is that. He immediately flies right into whatever is before him, right? Whether it's saying something, whether it's doing something, um, Peter is like that. He goes right into that dark tomb. He's bold. He goes in and sees the linen wrappings, which had been on the body of Jesus, and the cloth that had been on his face. And we don't know what his reaction is. It's not given to us. John we get to hear. Mary we get to see. Peter, the next thing we hear about him, he's going back with John, back to where they've been staying. We don't know what Peter does. We don't know what he felt. We don't know what he thought. We don't know how he reacted to seeing the empty tomb. We don't know if he believed or what he believed. We know that he and John go home, and that's about it for Peter. Perhaps this is because of Peter's actions during Jesus' trial. Remember, it all started off really well for Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? He's all full of vim and vigor. He's willing to hack off the ear of the slave of the high priest, right? You know, you got to be all in if you're doing that, hacking ears off and stuff. Right? Peter is passionate at that moment, but things go downhill from there, don't they? Right? Because there he is, soon thereafter, denying Jesus three times, and then the cock crows. Peter realizes that he has been faithless. And perhaps it's this shame that keeps Peter from believing. Perhaps it's his guilt over how he treated Jesus. Maybe he feels like there's a division between he and Jesus Christ. And he just can't get past that at this point. He thinks maybe God, that's too much for God to overcome. And so he will not, and so that prevents him from believing. Whatever it is that keeps Peter from trusting immediately... Jesus wants Peter to be reconciled to him. Jesus doesn't want a division to exist between him and Peter. And so in the next chapter of John, which we didn't read this morning, but which you can go home and look at if you want, John chapter 21, we see Jesus reestablish relationship with Peter intentionally. No longer is Peter outside. He's back in. There is no more barrier. Jesus Christ has destroyed it. God bless you. Like children waking up on Easter Day, you and I, we've all come here with different expectations, different emotions driving us. Why are we here today? For what reason have we come to worship the Lord on this Easter Sunday? And what will we do as we come to the empty tomb and find that the Lord is risen? How will we react? Perhaps like Mary, we're in a place where our grief over circumstances in life is so heavy for us that our eyes are so clouded with tears that it's difficult to recognize the risen Lord. Or perhaps like Peter, our shame over our failures and our sins, our guilt, will cloud our vision and make us unsure if it's really Jesus we're seeing. Or perhaps like John, we'll respond with faith even before we understand all the facts. 
The good news is that despite the fact that those three came in different ways to the tomb, all three of them ended in faith. All three of them came to a place where they believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they trusted them, trusted him as their risen Lord. Today, may the Lord speak to us through his gospel that he is risen and that his death has conquered our shame and our sorrow. Through faith in him, he has wiped our sins clean. He has taken them far from us. And he also promises to sit with us in our sorrow and to take that sorrow on himself and give us a joy that cannot be taken from us. This Easter, we've all come for different reasons. We've come with different burdens upon us. May we cast them at the feet of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. May we look in the empty tomb and find our faith alive. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the one who rose and conquered death forever. You are the one who, through your resurrection, Lord, destroyed sin and offers us a hope which cannot be removed from us. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to trust in you. Help us, Lord God, to, to, to know and to believe that you are risen from the dead and that you extend to us your grace. Lord, we come as people burdened with sorrows, with guilt and shame. Lord, we ask that you would take those from us. We confess to you our failures. Lord God, and we ask that you would forgive us, that you would reconcile us to yourself through your blood poured out. Help us, Lord God, to be filled with faith, to be filled with trust, and to be filled with your good news, Lord, that we might go out into this world proclaiming your gospel to a world which is wounded as well, Lord. And as we speak your good news, as Mary, as we bear testimony and bring others to that tomb, Lord, may they see you arisen as well and trust in you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.